Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. This is good stuff in here. I like hanging out with you. This is good. I'm glad you're at church. Uh, I'm glad that you're joining us on a screen if you're doing that. Um, also, we just we usually do this. We want to mention, of course, our campuses, Red Bug Lake and Michigan Street campuses joining us now. We always kind of show some appreciation for the family of God across all the campuses. And uh, today's going to be an awesome day. Thank you so much for... Uh, making this a priority, this moment, and God's going to speak to you. It's going to be incredible. Tonight, we have uh, a conference, the Better Marriage Conferences tonight, and there are a couple spots. I think there's still a few spots remaining. You could register today. If you're not registered yet and you're on the fence, I know by the end of the day, you're going to be ready to come tonight. So you can register at any of our info uh, centers around the uh, property or there at the other campuses We can get you registered. I think there's, like I said, there's a few spots remaining. But this morning, um, it's my honor to introduce our guest speakers. They're speaking at the conference tonight, but this is kind of a whole separate experience this morning. And I'm going to ask you to do something. Uh, I'm going to ask you to consider giving something towards their great ministry, maybe even in advance. Um, We believe in around here blessing and supporting people who are doing great works for God. That's just part of our culture. It's a normal thing. And so you can go on our digital giving platform and you'll see Joel and Nina Schmidgall there as a drop-down option. I want to encourage you to pray about supporting uh, their ministry this morning. Of course, they're going to be ministering tonight, but they're also ministering, of course, in this service. And so I want to just ask you to consider sowing some into their great ministry. Also, I want to mention that they do have a table out there uh, with a few copies left of their Praying Circles Around Your Marriage book, and uh, this book will be a blessing to those of you uh, who are married or getting ready to be married or thinking about being married or thinking about not being married anymore. You should probably get this book too, all right? But it's out there at a table, and if they run out, you can, of course, get it uh, in other ways as well. But let me uh, mention this about our great Uh, guest speakers this morning. Joel and Nina are uh, executive pastor and family pastor respectively at National Community Church in Washington, D.C. They are doing an incredible ministry. They're authors and they're also traveling and doing ministry like this. And so here at Faith Assembly across all of our campuses, can we show them some Florida love as they come to minister? Come on, make welcome Joel and Nina Schmidgall. Well, we do bring you some D.C. love. And I'll tell you what, we feel the Lord, the Florida love. I said it earlier. We left our house. It was 32 degrees. <laughs> I heard of my God. That's right. It's 72 degrees down here. Y'all have God's glory down here. <laughs> so, so it's great to be here. And our house, if you go from the front door of our house to the front steps of the Capitol, it's about a 1.3 mile walk. So we're right in the heart of D.C. And our church would be 13 blocks southeast of the Capitol. 
right in front of the Latrobe Gate, the old Navy Yard. It's the historic gateway to the city. So when we look out our church windows, you see the Latrobe Gate where foreign dignitaries and the queen and all these individuals were entered. It's the gateway to our city. That's where God has put us. One of, the, one of the great cities in, this, in the world, one of the loneliest cities in the world. People come to our city to give their entire lives. And there was an article a number of years ago in the Post about um, people working and spending the night, basically living on their couches at night. To, that's how much people commit to working in D.C. And so you have individuals who show up and they're type A, go-getters, change the world, idealists. And they come at about six months in. The common story that we see is disillusionment. And that's when we understand that God has positioned us to be a place where people can find community, to be a place where hope becomes habit, to be a place where family is understood in people's lives, to be a place where we help reach, people reach their God-given and potential, a place that people can come that God shows up in their lives. And so we're leaning in. And we, we just came out of 21 days of prayer. We go into 40 days of fasting. And I found out that you guys just came out of 21 days of prayer and fasting. So when we come into this house, we realize we're coming home. The same spirit of God is in this house that we know, and we just honor uh, Pastor Johnny and Jamie, and there is, I think there's, there's a, John, there's a, uh, there's a, a Joshua and Caleb spirit in them, isn't there? And we're just attracted to that because we're in the middle of, in, we're at the corner of intensity and crazy in our city. <laughs> And so we are attracted to people who are go-getters, who aren't, you know, Jesus didn't say, hey, let's sit around. What do y'all want to do today? He said, let's go. We're going over there. Let's take that mountain over there. And I just sense the same spirit in your leaders. And so we honor you. We thank you for allowing this to come and to share today. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the light and he said it was good. And he created the sea and the land, and he said it was good. Over the course of seven days, he created, and he consistently stopped and said it was good. That is until Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And it says this in the scriptures, says that he, it was not good for man to be alone. We are wired for relationship. We are made for relationship. From the very beginning of time, God says isolation is not good for you. It's not your friend. Here's what the scriptures say. In Leviticus, it says that one will put 1,000 to flight, but two will put 10,000 to flight. What's that mean? It means uh, you, you get a 10 times anointing when we do this thing together. When we are unified. Listen, early on in our marriage, uh, I had the opportunity to uh, perform a, a, a ceremony for a wedding, and we were on our way to the wedding. And Nina and I, newly married, we had intense fellowship on the way to the wedding. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe somebody had that on the way to church. Come on, let me, okay, no, don't put your hand up. That's not a good idea. So we got there, and I started into the message. I love to talk about how problems can pull us together. And so I thought on the spot, this would be great to give a personal example. So I started talking about how on the way here, Nina and I had a huge argument. 
And everybody's head is on a swivel towards Nina at that point. And I could tell it was connecting. So I'm getting into the story and telling, you know, how she was wrong, how I was right. I, but the whole thing about the story, and people are into it. And then we get in the car to go to the reception. And Nina says, Joel, you can't do that. Now, do you know if you speak about your spouse, you have to get permission, right? Did you all know that? Because I didn't know that. And I learned that over time. But so we had some intense fellowship on the, from the wedding to the reception. And then we got to the reception and went up to the table. And this guy, the first guy at the table, he's like, man, that was hilarious when you were talking about that argument. And I was like, I know it was, wasn't it? Guess what? From the wedding to here, we had another argument. It was even bigger. And the table was roaring. They were eating out of my hands. Most of the table was roaring, except for one arena over here, right? <laughs> and I tell you, I, I genuinely desired to love my wife, to care for my wife, to develop a relationship. But the reality is, I make mistakes. And I've hurt Nina. I've offended Nina. I have missed the mark over time, and I think maybe there's some other stories the other way that maybe she could share as well, but we're learning to love. It takes intentionality over time. We're learning to listen. We're learning to understand as we go, but we found this out, that there is no replacement for the active agent of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, in our relationship. Without the Holy Spirit, we got nothing, y'all. Are you with me? We are no better than all of us. The playing field is even. We are all sinners, and we have found him by faith. But we have nothing without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't make us better than anyone else. He makes us better than ourselves, doesn't he? And so we lean into the Holy Spirit of God, and it's by prayer, and it's through his Spirit. We are hardwired for relationship. But it takes work. It takes intentionality. And so we want to lean into that today. Mark chapter 10 Jesus says this, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate it. Believe it or not, eHarmony didn't create marriage. Did you know that? <laughs> the institution of marriage was not created by the catering industry. Jesus speaks to marriage here, and what he's doing in, in Mark chapter 10, he's referencing all the way back to the beginning of the good book. So from the very beginning of creation, God uses marriage. So we're talking a lot about marriage today, but, but we've been praying over this house and for, for all the relationships in this house. It was so neat to talk with Pastor Johnny just about his kids and about one of my prayers for our kids is deep relationships among them as they age and begin families of their own. So we're praying just over, over mothers to, to sons and, and, and to fathers to daughters and to relationships and to extended families and to close, deep, covenanted friendships. But we know that it can be a little bit hard sometimes to talk about marriage, right? Because many of us, many of us have experienced brokenness in marriage, either in, in pain or hurt or disappointment in our own marriage, or maybe a marriage that's impacted us. And we know that it's likely that there are a lot of longing hearts in this community who are petitioning the Lord for that time in their life. 
and even understand that, that sometimes, right, the church even speaks about marriage as though it, it's, it's the goal or the ultimate goal for all. And that, that isn't the truth, right? And, and so we want to navigate with a level of sensitivity today. But we do know that marriage calls, or that scripture calls marriage a sacred relationship. And because of that, we believe that there is a sacred work in caring for marriages. And that all of us, regardless of our marital status, should be invested in supporting the sacred work of marriage. And unfortunately, there, there are a lot of misunderstandings or even misconceptions you know, in, in society, in, those, in, those, um, in the culture around us that give us a false understanding of what marriage is and presents really a grossly distorted picture. And so, you know, we want to address some of those assumptions and we want to write them. We want to write our minds and our hearts to the biblical picture of marriage. Right, some of those misconceptions that, that everyone has a soulmate, and that could really lead some people astray because then when there's difficulty in a marriage, well, that must not be the one, right? The one. Or there's the misunderstanding and, and every part of our culture through music and movies and TV that, that romance is supposed to always to look a certain way and so that love is always supposed to feel good. Or that marriage doesn't mean forever. You know, it means for right now. That, those distortions, they can really um, alter the picture of what God really intends, what was truly intended. So we're just going to pick apart a few of those things today to write our minds and hearts. And, and one distortion of marriage is that it is something, marriage is something for me rather than something that's asked of me. And it's my experience, it's our experience. And, you know, our church in D.C. is, is um, I don't know, at least... In, for a long time at least, has been about 80% 20s and 30s and unmarried. So we're walking with a lot that are on this path of pursuit and trying to wrestle what this looks like. And my ex experience is that when we hear um, from many who are desiring marriage and when they talk about it, they're quite focused on what they would get rather than what they would be required to give. And marriage does have many, many incredible blessings, but it's hard. <laughs> And it actually takes work to keep it healthy and to keep it strong. And that calling to deny myself for another for a lifetime, that is a calling. And it's one of the highest sacrifices that at least I've been asked to make. So, um, you know, I, I actually, I really, I love weddings. We were hearing that there were, there were three weddings in, our, in, in the pastor's family, um, the year before last, and, and I love them because they have their opportunities to be with friends and, and to eat good food and to celebrate, and then there's these like eternal declarations of love, which are just always so beautiful, but we've been noticing, you know, Joel officiates quite a number of weddings, and, and people have started to get a little bit cute with some of the marriage vows and say funny things or put, you know, um, personal reflections in them, which is fun, but... Um, but you know, we've even had, there was one couple recently who were saying that they vowed that they would never own a minivan. And I was like, well, that's great news until you got a bunch of kids like I do. <laughs> and maybe they'll be towing them behind them or something. I'm not sure. But when these, writing these vows, the reality is that, that these um, aren't just eternal, like sweet moments to declare love and feeling and adoration, but they, it's a vow made before God and community. And it's more than a declaration of present love. It is a mutually binding promise of future love. And that is not a one-time commitment and then it's covered. It's an everyday commitment, an everyday reminder to lay down my own needs and my own wants for another. 
So I wonder, when you are hoping for marriage and praying for marriage, is, is that the kind of marriage that you're imagining? And if you're in marriage, is that the way that you're living today? So another distortion or, or misunderstanding of marriage is that, that marriage is too great of a risk to pursue. And maybe here I'm talking to those of you that are scared. You know, maybe you've been looking around at the marriages that are around you that are suffering and hurting and hurting and wondering, you know, I don't know if I want to take on that risk or I have fear in that place. And, and those fears are not totally unwarranted, right? Because statistics are show, show us that marriage satisfaction in the U.S. has been on a steady decline. And at least for where we are, the pressures of, of COVID and the, the additional pressures that, that that has put on marriages has really been a, a pressure cooker. So there's an increasing wariness and pessimism about marriage in our culture, especially among young people. And ironically, this concern about marriage actually puts a crushing burden of expectation on marriage. It leaves people trapped between unrealistic longings for and terrible fears about marriage. And, and I get it. I actually carried a lot of reservations about marriage and my own ability to find success in marriage. And they were rooted um, in my own experience of, of broken marriage in my home growing up. And, you know, my parents were, they were young loves and, and they, they married quite young and had me and then were actually um, divorced before when I was actually still, still a baby. And that kind of began a cycle of just um, broken marriage and unstable family home and, and, you know, infidelity. And the image that I saw of marriage was um, something that did not give me great confidence. And then when I was a young adult and, and chose to be a follower of Christ and, and um, was looking for something different, I saw it around me. I saw it in beautiful lives lived out around me. But as I began to kind of step out into the dating world for the first time and experience anything, anything that I would experience of any sort of, um, you know, difficulty would just reaffirm my own insecurity. And I began to confront some deep fears about whether or not I even knew how to have a healthy marriage or whether I had any of the tools to have the kind of marriage that I had desired. People from a painful past sometimes worry if it's possible to develop a healthy marriage. Maybe that's you. Maybe you even have a broken marriage or from a home of brokenness or you have pain or regret in your past. It's been my desperate prayer over those that, that carry that, that burden or that fear that you would be set free. It's my prayer that, that you would hear God's saving message to us, that he makes all things new. Second Corinthians 5.17 says that if any was in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Amen. Amen. And that doesn't mean fresh and new in a moment. That means an, a renewing over time and always renewing. And our marriage is a part of that refining process. So whether you feel ill-equipped for marriage or you're reeling from something broken, that same God of miracles in the Bible is the one who can overcome any deficiency, any di disappointment. And I want you to leave today feeling so hope-filled and anticipatory. And then finally, the distortion that we have to address is this idea that marriage is something that will complete me. So whether you're already in a marriage or you're hoping for it, there's really danger in viewing it as something that's going to bring you wholeness. Or, you know, we will feel the deficiencies in our own life and, and we will maybe hope that marriage will complete them. 
You know, God's word tells us in Ephesians 2.10 that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. We are God's workmanship. And marriage can be a beautiful partnership that refines, but desiring for a marriage to make up for the things that seem to be missing can be very, very dangerous. One of my very dear friends who's just very intentional of walking with those that are, are single warns this, that the idolatry of marriage that is distorted in your single life will in fact destroy your marriage relationship. If you carry that misconception into your marriage, you will, it can be very damaging. And there, you know, if you look around at the marriages in your life or that you're probably like us, you'll notice that there are, um, it's, it's very fascinating that people tend to be drawn towards someone who's very different than themselves. Often couples are made up of two, you know, very individual people and, and, or with differences. And that's true in our own marriage as well. And I think there's something that's compelling that draws us towards a person that maybe has some of the strengths or things that we don't have, right? And, and that can really be a beautiful picture, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But, but while it's true that I'm attracted to many of the things that I might desire or lack in my own self that Joel has, he does not complete me. I am made whole only in the one who fills me up. Amen. Completeness, wholeness only comes from our creator. And my favorite scripture in, in, in all of the word is that he who began a good work in you, he will be faithful to complete it. And please anchor to that hope today. Amen. Tim Keller says, it's an illusion that we find our one true soulmate, that everything wrong with us will be healed. That makes our beloved into God. And no human being can live up to that. Marriage is not designed to fulfill you. So don't put pressure on another person that only God can bear. And look at what the Lord has done. You shared a vulnerable part of your history. And here we are, girl, here we are. God is using our marriage. Isn't that an awesome thing? That part of you that is most vulnerable, that's what God wants to use, our weakness, and to make us strong in him. He chooses one metaphor in the whole of Scripture to talk about Jesus' relationship with the church, and that's marriage. He desires for our marriage to be a reflection of Jesus' saving grace. Listen to the way the book, The Meaning of Marriage, says it. it says, the gospel is this. I'm skipping to the middle part of this quote. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus than we ever dared hope. Marriage is a pursuit. Love is not just a noun. Do we know that? Love is a verb. Love is an action. Love is a muscle. And so today, we're going to lean into today, and we're going to press into love and marriage. Can we push us a little bit? Can I give you three things to consider to challenge you in relationship? And we'll ping back a little bit and forth here. Uh, so the first is this. Commit to connection. Commit to connection. Every relationship requires maintenance to ensure long-term health. There's a reason why you got to get an oil change every 5,000 miles, right? There's a reason because you want your engine to work at full capacity. You got to pay the 50 bucks every once in a while or what? Or you're going to pay the 4,000 bucks to get a new engine. 5,000 if you're me, because the mechanic sees me coming and he knows I don't know what I'm talking about. 
But you got to make, you got to step in and make those small uh, decisions. It's the simple, low-key decisions that ensure long-term health of your engine. We spend a ton of time investing in ourselves. We spend a ton of time investing in our personal growth and development at work, don't we? But then we just think our relationship will take care of themselves. Yeah, I mean, we work up until marriage, right? I got to work to get this. And then, and then we just lay it down and we think, all right, everything's going to go good from here on. It doesn't work that way, does it? You will get out what you put in. Go ahead and say that with me. You will get out what you put in. That's true anywhere in life, isn't it? It's true in your relationships. Listen, will you work with me a little bit today? Can we work together here? Just, just go with me for a minute here today. If you plant cucumber seeds, what are you going to get? You're going to get cucumbers. If you plant bean seeds, what are you going to get? You're going to get beans. If you plant nothing, what are you going to get? Weeds, my people. You're going to get weeds. Somebody's got a yard over here and cares about their yard. You think you're going to get nothing, but you're going to get weeds that show up. And then here's the thing about weeds. They don't just go to the empty places, right? That's where they start. But then they start going over into the areas of seed. They start working on the areas of fruit. And they do, in our relationship, when we don't invest, it doesn't just take care of that non-investment area. It goes to the good things in our relationship. And all of a sudden, the fruit that God has given us is tainted because the weeds show up. Second law of thermodynamics states this, that everything is constantly moving towards chaos. Somebody has some kids in the house and can say an amen on that law right there, right? It's always moving towards chaos. We've got to invest intentionally in our relationship, put some seed down, make a long-term investment, and God uses that. Eleanor Roosevelt said this, success in marriage depends on being able, when you get over being in love, to really love. The goal is not to fall in love. Anybody can fall in love. The goal is to grow in love. In fact, tonight, marriage conference, we're going we're gonna to dig into that because that takes a little bit more time to talk about. So we're going to come back to that. Our goal is to grow in love. Let me just say this. We acknowledge some of us are here and we don't just need an oil change in our relationship, right? We need a new engine. Like things have gone bad. Things have gone wrong. Can we stand up and speak hope? And to you, we have seen too many marriages that people have put on the rocks. People have said are dead. People have said have no hope. They've given up on that God shows up and he does a work that you never saw coming. And he restores. He is a God of reconciliation. He is a God that desires to bring us back into relationship. That's his heart. And so we speak hope. We speak life into you today. Commit to connection. So committing to connection, but also the importance of keeping conflict healthy. In Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul calls uh, marriage a profound mystery. And as I mentioned earlier, it really is a mystery how, how two individuals, usually very different, are, feel really drawn towards one another. And, and that's true for the two of us. I am a um, morning person, for sure. Eyes pop open, full awareness, and Joel is a night person. 
we face it in kind of every area. On the way here today, when we were trying to follow directions, I believe in following like the list in directions. And Joel, Joel, see the map. listen, Joel goes Look to the map. map. He doesn't see. even hit go on the directions. He just zooms in to the picture and tries to figure it out himself. <laughs> Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't work out. In the car. It always um, works out. Okay. Well, we made it here, I guess. <laughs> And Joel's actually, he's a pretty easygoing guy, but when we are driving, he actually, he gets pretty animated at other, we'll say animated at other drivers. And DC provides plenty of those opportunities. But then of course, that makes me get really animated at Joel <laughs> for the driving scenarios. Can I, can I just say, I, I had to say this in the first service, because Nina thinks that yellow means stop. Where are my people out there? Yellow means go. It means step on that gas. Press down with your... Listen, NTC. It's press down, shaking together, and overflowing out onto the gas pedal. Okay. All right. I'm a priest driving today, girl. I'll just say we have a whole item, a whole line item in our budget for tickets. Okay? I'll just say that. (laughs) Okay. No, but the truth is that we different, we think differently, but that means we navigate conflict differently. We have different response tendencies. And the gift and difference really is beauty, right? Two things, the contrasting things can have a beautiful complement to one another, right? If you look at a, a picture that's only painted in one color, then that maybe doesn't have the beauty that a picture of contrast was. Or a piece of music with, a, with beautiful harmonies is just, you know, that makes that piece of music really incredible. Or we love foods with contrast, like salty and sweet. And I have to say, just as we were worshiping today, looking around this room, you have the most beautiful multicultural community here. And I, I'm, I'm so honored we... Please continue, pray for us in D.C. You know, there is just history, history, history of racial divide. And we are believing the Lord to overcome because, yes, amen. And when you're talking about relationship and being wired for relationship, when you're asking people of difference to stay connected in community together that have different perspectives and experiences, it can be asking people to live in a place of tension. And we are believing that God is honored when we live in that space and we continue to ask him to reveal himself to us. So amen to that. But that compliment only works if you celebrate each other. And tolerating the ways that anyone, your spouse, anyone you're in a relationship with them is different, is tolerating is different than celebrating. And we have made a commitment that we're going to do everything to embrace and to celebrate our difference. Because sometimes those differences that initially draw us to someone, they're novel and unique in the beginning, but then eventually they can drive a wedge between us and they can lead to increased conflict. And that is one of the most feared parts of relationship. But really, all of us experience conflict in our work relationships and extended family relationships. And if we can embrace that it's actually making sure that that conflict is healthy, then that's the best approach. And marriage is our relationship with the greatest proximity. So it makes sense that we will experience conflict there. But it's not, conflict isn't bad, but we do have to make sure that it's healthy. And disagreeing well isn't easy. It takes, it takes practice to get right. And one important way to ensure that the conflict remains healthy is to examine, to explore the true source of conflict. 
And we believe the Spirit can help us with that, right? If you look through the New Testament, the 40 different times does it say that Jesus saw. He had the eyes to see things that others couldn't see and to be in awareness. And we can ask the Spirit to give us eyes to see. So when we're in a place of conflict, God, could you give us eyes to see what's really happening here, right? What's really at, at play here. And often it's, it's, um, it's unmet expectations, actually, Right? And, and often when there's a conflict, it's because someone isn't getting what they want. And the scriptures actually talk about this in chapter 4. Where do those, in James chapter 4, where do those fights and quarrels among you come from? They come from your selfish desires that are at war within your bodies, don't they? You want something, but you do not get it. So if your partner says something in a fight that is unkind, would you realize that it's almost always a distress signal that means that your spouse needs something that they're not getting and we can diffuse that conflict by asking the Lord to reveal to us that unmet need. And in conflict, a lot of times, and um, I don't want to assume that I'm speaking to the, just the women in, in the room at this time, but I just will speak for myself that this, I have a greater tendency for this than Joel, that a lot of times my mind can start to run away with a very unhealthy inner monologue. And my thoughts can start to tell me lies. And God's word reminds us of the importance of guarding our hearts and our minds because it's from the place that everything else flows. And there are um, just a couple of references of where, and I encourage you, we're actually walking a lot with our teenage daughter right now about doing the work to review the scriptures, to have, to, um, have discipline in our thought life. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul says, take, thought ever, take captive every thought, make it obedient to Christ. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And the apostle Peter says to think clearly and exercise self-control. Marriage therapist Dr. Norman Wright says, your marriage is affected more by your inner conversation than your outer conversation. Practicing good mental hygiene when it comes to thinking about your spouse will make all the difference in the pleasure that you will derive from your marriage. Good mental hygiene. That is not just a word for marriage. That is a word for all of your relationships. Let's give, let's give the benefit of positive assumption. And so I just developed this tool early in our marriage when my inner monologue, my thought life would maybe run away. I would ask myself the simple question, what do I know to be true? And my responses would bring that picture into focus. I know that my family is a priority to Joel. I know he would never do anything to intentionally hurt me. I know he values me and our marriage, and it's in those confidences that I would like to find it's my mind to find its resting place, and it's the, in those truths that I would like our relationship to be founded. Commit to connection. Keep healthy conflict. Uh, number three, seek God's plan. Nina and I are praying for shared vision and relationship. And we've, we begin to understand that a lot of times things go the wrong way when you have two different ideas. The word division, it's, it's made up of two parts, right? Die and vision. Die meaning two, so two visions. Sometimes our problems in the house are because we have two visions in the house, right? As you look at your relationship, do you have shared vision or do you have division? Listen to what the scripture says says, it says in Luke chapter 11, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and a house divided against itself will fall. Let me ask you a question. If you have a thousand decisions to make together, how many of those decisions will end in argument, right? Is it, a, is it maybe 
Is it 50%? Is it 80%? But shared vision is powerful because when you get on the same page, it's like making a thousand decisions ahead of time. It's playing offense instead of playing defense. It's taking the battle to the streets instead of having the battle in your own house. Let me just take this a step further. When we lean into covenant in Genesis chapter 1, we see that, that we're not just merging our lives. No, we're coming to God and we're asking for a new vision to be over and in us. In Genesis chapter 1, God says he creates male and female. And then he doesn't just say, so why don't y'all just chill for a little bit? He doesn't say just enjoy each other's companies. You know, go to a movie, have some coffee, just enjoy. He doesn't say, go get a vision on your own and then come together and find someone with the same vision. No, he brings them together in Genesis 1.20. And he says, be fruitful and multiply. Rule over the birds and animals and sea and plants. Genesis 2.15, he calls them to work the land and take care of it. After they were given each other, they were given a purpose. And that purpose gave them life. Shared vision brings life. Don't we see this in our church community too? We have this shared vision as a church and we're going and getting it. God is moving. But when we get, things get sideways when we start getting worried about our stuff, right? But Pastor Johnny, why don't you talk about this? Or Pastor Matt, why don't you say that? Or why aren't we doing this over here, right? And we could kind of focus on our own thing instead of the vision that God has given us together that, listen, y'all, it is a year of harvest. God has set fruit in front of us. We are called to connect, to grow, to serve, connect, grow, serve, connect, grow, serve. Let's go get that harvest that God has called us to. Let's go climb that hill. We are able to do things because God has given us a shared vision. It goes sideways in our relationship, doesn't it? When I get focused on what I want out of this, instead of focus on the shared vision that God has set in us, for us, and given us together, that's when I get sideways. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. It's when I pray and listen. Tonight we're gonna unpack shared vision because we don't have time this morning, but this is so key. I love playing offense, you guys. When we play offense in our relationship, God shows up. So we're going to unpack that a little bit more tonight. What does it mean? But I will say this. Shared vision is revealed through prayer. We got to come to the Spirit of God. I don't know how people are married if they don't have prayer. I'm just saying, I'm right 99% of the time. Yeah, keep that hand down. She's right. You are right 99% of the time, too. That math doesn't add up, does it? <laughs> we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's something incredible about psychology, and we lean in, and counseling is critical to relationships. But I just also want to say neology is something special. Amen. When you get on your knees, are you with me today? When my knees hit the ground, humility hits my heart. I need the Holy Spirit to break me down and then to build us back up. It's the conviction of the Spirit. Listen, I want to invite the worship team. And, and I just want, when, when our oldest daughter was young, uh, we would do our bedtime routine and Ella would ask, Dad, tell me about Grandpa Schmidgall. And Grandpa Schmidgall, my father, was an incredible man. He impacted thousands of lives, pastored 30-plus years, a church outside of Chicago, and uh, just, just an incredible man. He died of a heart attack at 55 years old in the prime of his ministry. We lost him, and our family felt incredible loss. But his life 
didn't end when his body stopped. His legacy kept on. So Ella would say, tell me about Grandpa Schmidgall. And so I say, you know what? Grandpa had huge hands. We called them meat cleavers. <laughs> he had these huge hands, Ella. And he would take the hands and down in the altar, he would put, them, put those hands on people's heads and he would pray over them. And I would take my hand and I'd put it on her head. And I'd just start to pray over Ella. Say, Ella, pray just like that. And I'd start to pray into her. And it's the only two minutes of the whole day that she was quiet. <laughs> I'd pray over her. And, and we would do this night after night. Tell me about Grandpa. One night I'm praying over her. And I just, I just felt this deep sadness. Like, I wish my dad could be doing this right now. I just wish he were here. And I just felt this deep. And then I felt the Holy Spirit whisper something into me. He is praying over her right now through you. You are his legacy. And it hit me. And when it hit me, emotions started coming. And you know, guys, we're really good at not having emotions. And so when it hits us, we don't know how to deal with it. And so it started pouring out. I just started crying, and I got loud. It wasn't like the movie crying where you look good. You actually look better, you know, because you're all sensitive guy. No, it was the ugly crying where people are like, oh, stop that. Put that away. You, that is disgusting. People turn away. That's the crying I got. And Ella saw me start crying, and she started laughing because she had never seen her dad cry. So she thought I was laughing, and then a minute later, she's oh, he's not laughing, Dad. Are you okay? I'm okay, Ella. Your dad got emotional because I love you so much and I really loved your grandpa. I just wish you guys could have met, but God just spoke to me something. He spoke that you are the legacy of the prayers that your grandpa prayed before you ever got here, before you were ever born. And what I was given, now I get to give to you. It was a legacy moment that we had, knowing that my parents' relationship didn't end, that my grandparents' relationship is still pouring out, that Abraham and Sarah, their seed is still multiplying beyond their ability. You know you are here today because somebody prayed you into this house. You are the result of somebody else's prayer, somebody else's faithfulness. So I know that our relationship, that we pour and we invest in this relationship, our legacy doesn't end with our lives. It pours out to those who are all around you. His legacy goes beyond when you lean into prayer and you lean into the Holy Spirit. Today, you might be in the storm today. You might be in the chaos today. You might be overwhelmed today. Maybe that's you, and you can't get your head above water. You don't know what to do, but I want to hear, I am here to tell you that God is able to use you. He is able to work through you. Stay faithful. Keep standing up. Keep pressing forward. Keep moving. My Ethiopian uncle used to always say this to us. He would say, whenever you have a setback, Joel, don't take a step back because God has already prepared your comeback. He is still working. He is still moving. He is able. I don't care what problem you have today. He is able to work in that. I don't care what issue, what tension, what conflict, what impossibility. Impossibility is just an opinion. Do you know that? And God has a different opinion. He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly 
Come on, Pastor Alex. More than we can ask or imagine according to his power, not my power, his power at work within us. His glory is in us. So I want to invite Pastor Johnny to come. And can I just give a blessing today? And I'm going to hand it off to him. And we're just going to take a few moments of prayer. So I bless you today. Just receive a blessing. I bless you today in the name of the Lord. I bless you with a legacy blessing. I bless you with a, with a faith blessing to see impossibilities as possibilities. I bless you with an audacity to believe and to hope that God can move. I bless you today that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit that the fruit of the Spirit would come out of you, that the anointing of the Spirit would be over you, that the gifts of the Spirit would be on you, that the ways of Jesus would be in front of you, that the gifts of the Father and the glory of the Father would be all around you. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.